what no you're just gonna podcast in your sleep aren't you what no no ma'am we're not all right we're rolling goat (laughs) who brought this goat here i'm gonna count us down three two You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different pieces of art, whether it be music, movies, television, spoken word, other forms of artistic expression that the other hasn't experienced, and we're introducing it to both each other and you, the audience. I'm glad that you remind me every week what it is we do here, or I'd come in ready to talk about like nothing but croquet. I mean, croquet, as long as you are referring to the stuffed potato balls, I'm into it. Oh, no, I'm talking about croquet, the hitting the little balls with mallets oh, through the weird arches. Get that off my show. No, no, no. Look for a new podcast dropping soon. Nothing but croquet with Tara J. Miller. Oh, Did I say our podcast? I mean your podcast. just me. By yourself. All croquet, all the time, five days a week, four-hour shows. Ooh, I can't wait. I'm going to find some way to always bring it back to them stuffed potato balls. Have your get like professional croquet players on your show and only... like. Pose questions to them as if you're talking to them about their sport, but it's actually about potatoes. And wait until the moment you realize that they've caught on, and then you have to describe to your audience what happens to their facial expression. (laughs) I'm into it. Yeah. Um, Also, if this is your first time listening, Lex Michael. Hi. uh, You can find us all over Twitter. At Missing Outcast, M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. It is there you can find what we're watching or listening to or experiencing each week. And uh, it is there where you can interact with us and tell us what you think about stuff. What we're experiencing, like existential dread. Yeah. yeah. It's mostly that. <laughs> follow, follow me on Twitter for just random bursts of horror and <laughs> sadness. <laughs> No, what actually, is Twitter weirdly, there if not for that? Weirdly though, I don't, I don't, I don't tweet that much. If you're listening and you know what it is that I should tweet about, I feel like I always pull up Twitter and I, I read Twitter, mm-hmm. and I'll retweet things and I'll make sure like when we have a show that goes up, I'll retweet the show link and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't tweet that much because I feel like I never. It's because I follow too many funny people, I think, and I'm intimidated. People who have uh, learned to utilize that format incredibly well to be funny or witty or incisive. And so every time I tweet now, somewhere in my mind, I'm comparing it to those tweets. And I'm like, this tweet is bad. Never talk to anyone. Delete. Lex, everyone likes you for you. That, no well, one's you com- know that's not true. No one's comparing you <laughs> to like the, I don't know, insert modern funny comedian. these. No one's comparing you to the Logan marvelous Paul. Miss Magel. No. <laughs> no. Uh, um, that's, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad no <laughs> one's comparing me to that. Um, um but no but like it's not it's not so much that it's just i don't i don't i gotta engage i gotta engage more that's my new year's resolution is tweet that's, that's such a that's such a like sad no. commentary on the times that we live in i feel i think it's less like i think you said it's tweet but it's more engage um in a, engage in a way that represents you that's actually more. that's a much better way to put it and it's a much for me a much less cringy way to put it is right. yes just engage engage with and not just on the internet but honestly just engage with the world around me a little bit more yeah all that to say make sure that you're interacting with us uh and engaging with our twitter it's important and, existentially clearly for us it is very important <laughs> that you do so it really it, it's the only way we live to the next week Every time we get those thumbs up and those clicks and those I literally retweets. every every week where I don't get at least one new Twitter follower, somebody chops off one of my fingers. I have two fingers left. It's true. It's really sad. You should see him try to eat sushi. Actually, I've gotten pretty good at getting the little sushi ball between my two pinkies. Is the two pinkies I have left? Right. Uh, between the two pinkies and getting it up, almost like little tiny chopsticks. Opening doors, huge pain. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a good thing you're rich and you have all those servants to open your doors for you. Oh, they got real disturbed by the lack of fingers and they all quit. Uh, 
sad. Happens every time. It turns out like they, I wasn't paying any of them. They were just helping me out because they're nice. Yeah. But they got real freaked out by the lack of fingers. I mean, it's their own fault. They knew what they were getting into. They knew why they were there. Anyways, um, <laughs> speaking of weird bunkers outside of the box I feel things. like that was, a good, that was a good table setter. Yeah. That made no real world sense and had very loose, if any, connections to our frame of reality. <laughs> um, today we're talking about Virtuosity, a 1995 film starring Denzel Washington, Russell Crowe, uh, Kelly Lynch. We get uh, Kelly Cuoco as the Who child. Who is almost un- unrecognizable that young. I yes. mean, occasionally you'll see a child actor and you won't know. Like, if you see Shia LaBeouf in anything when he's a little kid... His face is exactly the same. He's right. got more stubble now, but his face is identical. Kayla Cuoco, I wouldn't have known that was her if I mm-hmm. didn't know it was her. Who? Uh, Bill, uh, Bill Fickner is in it. Uh, Louise Fletcher, uh, who I think is still probably best known as Nurse, Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. L- I, did Louise Fletcher need to be in this movie? Now, sidebar, when you can get Louise Fletcher in your movie, yes, of course, put her in your movie. But I feel like she had maybe five lines in the entire thing and was there mostly to look at people severely while they were talking. She was she was the one who was... Uh, the old, she was the blonde lady? Yes, the blonde okay, lady. Okay, got it, yes. Who was in scenes with William Fickner, right. primarily. Okay. And then uh, Kevin J. Kevin J. O'Connell? O'Connor? Okay. Benny from The Mummy? Yes, he's I didn't it. realize that was him until watching it this time around. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the pervy guy who really wants to bring the the porn bot to life. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't understand why he wouldn't have done that before. Like this guy totally would have would have already been like, "Yo, I'm going to integrate this into my." The reason girl why system. is because we needed a scene where we got an exposition dump as far as what was happening. This is essentially the most egregious exposition dump filled movie I've ever seen. Um, we got to, okay. So I was, I started to tell you this before we started recording and I decided I was going to save it. I want to explain to you, uh, very broadly what my experience with this movie was. So, and I want to get your history with this movie as well. Yeah. I don't have one short of seeing the, the DVD box occasionally and going, what, what is that? That looks not great. (laughs) And, and then letting it you know, flow away from my mind. I'd heard of it. I'd forgotten what it was completely until you threw me the title and you were like Denzel Russell Crowe. I was like, oh my God, it's that movie. Didn't get to actually watch it until about two in the morning uh, last night slash this morning. Uh-huh. I was I was awake. I was there. I was in it. I, I was I was sober. I was clear headed. I was I was looking at my screen, watching, listening. I felt very much like the movie was just happening around me as I was watching it. Like I know what happened in it. But normally, uh, when we do this, I'll take some notes just so I have something to work from uh, while we have these conversations. Mm-hmm. I took barely any notes because typically what what my note-taking method is, is I'll watch the movie and as soon as something jumps out at me as being... Sometimes it's something interesting, but sometimes it's just I'm like, wow, that's weird. I want to make a note of that. Yeah. So this whole movie was that. This whole movie was moments like that. So it was very hard for me to distinguish... Uh, uh, levels, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Levels of preposterousness in this movie because <laughs> we go real bonkers really, really, really quickly. Also, the movie, at one point, I, I was shot a message to a friend of mine who had, uh, I don't think he's seen the entire movie, but he, he watched like half of it years ago and was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. Um, what I said to him was, this movie feels like it was compri- it's comprised entirely of deleted scenes from another movie. Really? There's so, with the exception of a, I'd say maybe 25% of what's in this movie is necessary to tell the story of what's in this movie. <laughs> I, and the rest of it is just stuff. Interesting. So my experience, so yeah, uh, I, I, I brought this to Lex's table because I, um, I really enjoyed this when I was a kid. Like, uh, I, you'll probably find a pattern that a lot of my movies are from 1995 and 1996, um, maybe some 1997s. Um, but those were very formative years in terms of developing my tastes and the things that I really enjoy. Right. And this was my first experience with a live-action, super bonkers sci-fi movie. Um, I think the other one being Demolition Man. Um, which I think these are very similar. I think Demolition Man may do it a little bit better just because it, it utilized its characters a little more. But um, 
I definitely feel like this and, and that were the ones that really got me into just really weird out there sci-fi. Because stuff like this you'll find in anime all the time. Yes. Um, well, in- interestingly, you talk about anime, and actually that tracks fully. Um, one of the other things that I brought up before we jumped on Mike was I-, I thought it was interesting, despite despite wherever you come down as far as assessing the film's relative quality, it is playing with a lot of ideas that only a couple years later would become very, very popular in American mainstream entertainment. I mean, this was a full four years before The Matrix was released. Mm-hmm. We're dealing pretty... There, there are plot elements in Virtuosity that are mirrored in all... Th- Three Matrix movies, yeah, actually, in, including the second two, like uh, Sid six point seven emerging into our reality. To me, is echoed later by Agent Smith emerging into spoilers for the two Matrix movies. No one likes. Oh no! Uh, the, I think they have some redeeming qualities. I do, I do. But uh, Smith, don't give me that look. Smith uh, finds his way into the real world in a similar fashion. They have the same like. Uh, both Smith and Sid 6.7 have this same MO of like uh, entering our world to essentially destroy it and make remake the entire sphere of existence in their own image. Essentially, like it, Sid 6.7 has that line at a certain point. And I forget, he's just like, no, it's when he's like, uh, he's got Denzel in like the, the framework at the end. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is my world, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've seen that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, but yes. And of course, uh, The Matrix 2 pulled a lot of things stylistically from anime as well. So it makes sense that like, like The Matrix seems to be the inevitable nexus point, like high quality nexus point between stuff like virtuosity that was starting to pop up in American entertainment. Yeah. And stuff like anime that I think had certainly had an audience in America before the early to mid 90s. But I yeah. think that audience really started to grow and they started to be able to find a lot more of it around that time. Mm hmm. Because, yeah, the uh, the late 80s, early 90s was the big migration of Japanese animation coming to America. So you find a lot of obscure stuff on TV sometimes. Um, otherwise, you had to kind of really deep dig deep in uh, the Internet to find it. Um, and that was when the Internet was real, real fresh. So you had to, like, really, like, file share with people on ICQ and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, virtuosity was kind of like my first, oh man, it's like live action anime. Um, and I also really just enjoyed the characters. I, I, I personally don't understand why people don't like this movie or people like have a hard time enjoying the movie. Well, so in a, I, you know, I'm the guy that says movies are not good, bad, pass, fail. And I believe that I, I get where if you're not inclined in that direction, you may watch this movie and go, oh, this is bad. And in a lot of ways, I think you'd have an argument there. Having said that, this movie is far too batshit insane to be mad at, at all. I can't, it's so difficult for me to hold anything against this movie because the moments that don't seem self-aware are so fully over in the other direction that I'm great with it. Mm-hmm. I almost wish more movies were like this. Um, to, to, before we even though get into the body right. of the movie, two more things that I find really entertaining slash bonkers. One, okay. One, uh, just over a decade later, uh, Denzel and Russell Crowe would co-star in a picture together again, which was uh, Ridley Scott's American Gangster. Mm-hmm. Reframing Virtuosity as a prequel to American Gangster makes both movies so much more fun. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, and this one, I, I looked at, I was just looking at where does this movie fall, say, in like Denzel's body of work? Mm-hmm. I, it makes, I was like, of course, I guess I knew. I knew that it came out in 92, but this, this came after Malcolm X. Malcolm X was 92 and this was 95. Yeah. And it seems so backwards to me that he made Malcolm X and then a couple years later made Virtuosity. Hmm. I mean, it's the same as how um, Will Smith made uh, Independence Day and then was like, oh, I'm going to do Wild Wild West. Like, it's, it's yes, that's that was the I order. I thought there was a Men in Black in between those two. Uh, yes, there was. But, like, Men in Black was is a perfect movie. I don't know if it's a perfect movie, it's but it's certainly... It's a literal perfect movie. It's certainly, it's, it's got Vincent D'Onofrio as a cockroach man. Yes. Perfect movie. And not for nothing. Like, I will give it, it's, I got it. I got to revisit Men in Black because now everything I'm remembering from that movie is making me smile a little bit. Yeah, no, it's I just watched it over the holiday and it was great. 
and it will always be great. I, I, I'm forever grateful to that movie for enlightening me as to what NYPD stands for. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, I, I feel like after Malcolm X, uh, Denzel spent a little <laughs> bit of time. Moved on immediately. You know there's going to be like five people that have never seen Men in Black going, he didn't know what NYPD stands for. <laughs> It's a, it's a joke from the movie. Anyway, you're saying Denzel um, Russell. <laughs> Denzel, I feel like he spent a while doing movies that had more had really interesting concepts that weren't really critic critically um, acclaimed. Sure. So he did this, and then either slightly before, or slightly after, he did um, he did Fallen, which I think Fallen also was don't after like. that. I think Fallen yes. was ninety seven. Yes. And Fallen was something, wasn't Fallen the one you said if it wasn't going to be Virtuosity, we were probably going to do that? You're goddamn right. So inevitably, we're probably watch sooner it, than yes. later, we're doing Fallen. All right. Good to know. Um, so he, it seems like he did that and everyone was like, oh man, best Denzel movie ever. Right. And then he was like, I want to do something different. I want to like try these really interesting movies. And so like that was his kind of trajectory for a while. Then he got back into the like big Oscar winning movie phase. Training day. Yeah. Fences. Uh, <laughs> so good. Thing is, right, like, as great as, and fen- like, if you haven't seen Fences, like, f- Fences is just a f- is about as phenomenal a showcase for its actors as you could hope for. And that's great. Uh-huh. And I, it's a t- truly tremendous piece of work. Now that he's got that out of his system, let's get Denzel's Virtuosity 2049. I'm into it. Let's do it. Bro, if. If they, since we are in a, uh, like a virtual reality boom right now, if they were to make the first virtual reality movie a virtuosity movie, I would lose my mind. I just wanted to have like the, like rip, rip off the cheesy title from another franchise as well. Like call it virtuosity, the return of Parker Barnes. <laughs> Not for, by the way, Parker Barnes, one of the most movie as shit names that there has ever been. Oh Yeah. Which is I love it, and I love I love when he comes out of the simulator the first time. Because okay, okay, let's maybe track some of this for people that are listening to this podcast without having watched Virtuosity to their their uh, great error. Okay, uh, so, so we open right, and Parker Barnes, you yeah. Here, here's what I want to do. I'm gonna try and track it for myself because I want to make sure that I actually saw what I think I saw. Okay, and you're going to augment what I say with either corrections or additions. Until I, until I get stuck. Okay. Which is going to happen real soon. Nah. Okay. Pretty so, straightforward So movie. Parker Barnes, his backstory, right, is that he was a cop whose wife and daughter were murdered by this political terrorist named Matthew Grimes, mm-hmm. who Parker Barnes kills. But because he's having a real bad day, he's real on edge, he also accidentally may or may not kill himself a couple civilians for which he has to pay the penalty, which is his own incarceration. Right. So he's incarcerated for how, what is he's like serving a 17 year sentence, mm-hmm. but he's got. No, he's serving, serving 20 he's years. 17 left on a 20 yeah. year sentence. Okay. Right. Cause that was the number. Cause he wanted the chalk so he could make drawings in his cell. Yeah. And he's like, well, the, the couple months pardon isn't going to help me for another 17 years. The chalk will help me right now. I mm-hmm. like chalk. He looks right at the camera. I like chalk. And then it's like Parker Barnes. He likes chalk. And yeah. The movie keeps This doesn't happen. I wanted it to happen. It and it's happen. crazy because chalk ultimately ends up being what he uses to defeat Sid 6.7. It's crazy. <laughs> it like comes all the way. Pays off. <laughs> um, and of course, doesn't once he, happen. W- uh, he's, he's going to help earn his way to freedom or earn more time or earn some perks, whatever, by helping them test this simulator yeah. and it's essentially right it's a what i gathered is like it's a training program right for officers right. and it's like sid 6.7 which is this vicious ai amalgamation played by russell crowe in a big green suit uh that looks like straight up looks like something out of the mask um he's a uh, he himself is a, a like an amalgamation of the personality profiles of a ton of super famous serial killers because sure why not yeah. by the way at that point in the movie, I took a step back and I went, this sounds like the ultimate facetious stoner idea. Because it's like, imagine like you've just smoked six blunts by yourself okay. along with everyone else in the room, all your buddies who have also smoked six blunts a piece by themselves. Yes. And one of them says, yo, 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 what if we took all the serial killers and just like shook them up and put them in a robot? 
that'd be <laughs> that'd be sick. That'd be sick. And you know, like one of your friends would be like, <laughs> and like would be like almost crying with laughter at yeah. that point, couldn't handle it. And that's, then that's how I felt at least four times watching this movie. Really? It's, but that was the first time where I went, oh, that's what this feeling is. I put words to it in that moment where they were explaining. And this is what the halfway point of the movie where they actually explain this, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, he's he's like the amalgamation of a bunch of serial killers that I guess they had full. They just had their AI of the, all these serial killers laying around. Well, I think that they essentially. So here is what my interpretation of it is that the reason they put them all together is because if they wanted their detectives or their like officers to be the best, they had to put them against the worst. And so they put them all together as much as they could. So it's, an, it's um, like it's their rough estimate of what the psychological makeup of these killers would probably be based on all of the data available. Right. Uh, I mean, or, and they don't go as far to explain this, but there's a, there's probably, cause they were like, it's a bio, uh, something or other profile. So there's a chance that like, they just took the DNA of all these people and then like simulated their brains. And that's how they created those killers. There, there is, um, I'm trying to think of the, so there is a spoiler. There's anime. Anime has done this a bunch of times, um, and both times are spoilers that I can th- that come to mind immediately. So I won't say them. But um, are these things you're going to make me watch? No, mm. because if not, spoil away. No, well, maybe actually, um, Naruto does it where um, if a character gains the DNA of a ninja. Um, they can essentially recreate and re- resurrect that ninja as a facsimile. I have questions. Um, yes, gains as you the, would. Gains the DNA, like just has. So, it's, okay. so like, yeah, all you need is like a, the, and you like a clone, piece of hair. You could, yes. Well, actually, weirdly, Twin Peaks does this. Yeah. Now, well, now they do. They didn't used to. Now they do. <laughs> it's it, they got it from virtuosity. So you make another, so you everyone make it, got it. Everyone from virtuosity. is stealing everything. Every movie you see now, everything that came out from 1996 on, owes a massive debt to virtuosity. Hell yeah. Um. Oh, so hard sidebar. Uh, Brett Leonard, who directed Virtuosity, not a ton of directorial credits on his resume. Uh-huh. The one that jumped out at me, where I went, oh, that's fun. He directed. I don't know if you are familiar with this. He directed a, a film called T-Rex Back to the Cretaceous, which ran on IMAX screens at science museums when I in like 98. Oh, really? Yeah, and I saw it. it. What What is the premise of this thing? I think if I remember correctly, I could have looked this up. Didn't. But if I had, it might have been that uh, I think there's a, a young woman who works at a museum, and at a certain point, the like T-Rex skeleton comes to life and she's somehow transported back to the Cretaceous period. And it's basically just, it, it's all to facilitate teaching young people about that era and about dinosaurs, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, apparently that was the same guy. Interesting. And the, uh, so the screenwriter, I just had to pull up information on the screenwriter, uh, Eric Burnt, because man, oh man, this screenplay. Uh, he <laughs> also wrote the story for a Highlander Endgame uh, in 2000. And he also wrote the screenplay for uh, Romeo Must Die, the Jet Li movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I own that movie. Directed uh, Bachelor Party Vegas. Mm-hmm. And he also played the building supervisor in uh, Virtuosity. A or A building supervisor. <laughs> oh, we also didn't shout out the, the uh, uh, Tracy Lord's cameo. She's the, the club singer. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know she that. She doesn't do porn, doesn't do porn anymore. Right. She doesn't Zach and Miri make a porno. Oh. That's like where I was like, oh my God, her. I, rec- I don't recognize her from porn, but I recognize her from movies. Sure, Lex. Not those movies. Sure. Not those movies. Lex. Not those movies. We know. I feel like Tracy Lords was doing porn before Yo, I was old secrets. enough to be all that concerned about porn. Doesn't, As mean, opposed to now, when my overwhelming concerns are all porn <laughs> yes, related. that's all you watch. <laughs> I keep having to vet porn you're like, hey, yo, you missing why don't out we on do this, this show? Yeah, you yeah. Mi- you missing out on, on the, <laughs> and I talked to you like that, and you had a, you took you a minute to stop being offended by that voice that I put on, and yeah. once you did, you were offended by all of the porn. I have a question. This is a, a side to your side, <laughs> um, but like, so there are a number of like really weird, obs- interesting like porn parodies. Is that a thing that we would do on this show? Like, there's a Lord of the Rings one that is. Lord of the Insane. Cock Rings? No, it's all like 
it's all ladies. I don't remember what the premise was, but like it's a thing. Ah, There's like a huge industry I, of ah, like parodies. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I know I know what you're talking about. Okay, so I have a friend. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not this is nowhere near as uh scandalous or titillating a story as you may think uh from that transition. But uh no, we had a you know, like we in my friend group there'd be a a house that we'd uh like hang one of our friends, like his his parents are always really cool with us, like coming over and and like hanging out, and we just crash on his couches all the time. But we'd pass out, like they had, you know, like a digital cable. So we'd throw on a movie, and we'd all pass out. And occasionally, one of us would wake up at like two thirty in the morning, and there'd be like the standard like Cinemax softcore porn stuff on. Yeah. So none of us really, because none of it's that interesting. Especially in the age of the internet, it's like, well, there's really no reason to watch this except for some some novelty value. Yeah. But apparently, he ended up he ended up, I guess maybe waking up in the middle of the night more than we did to the point where it became a a recurring joke that he was the only one of us who remembered how Busty Cops Two started. <laughs> and there seemed to be an element of shame in it for him, so much so that every time we asked, it's like James is is his name. Hey, James. How does Busty Cops 2 start? He'd deep sigh. He'd go, on a train. <laughs> and, we'd all, and we'd all laugh just like that. Um, although I've asked, I asked him more recently. This was a couple of years ago. I asked him if he remembered that, and he insisted he didn't. Uh-huh. Um, all of this to say, uh, I honestly, it's not something that I'm opposed to because it takes a, a quite a bit to make me that uncomfortable. I think that's a question I would leave to the audience if I'm, being honest, I think that's something that I would leave up to the people who listen to this show. Is that something that you would have any interest in us talking about? And if so, you seem fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to do the research, guys. I'm willing to put in the... T- <laughs> um, Anyways. I, I am not... I, I rule out almost nothing because I feel like there is a basis for a, an actual conversation there. It's a question of... Does do the people that show up to this show want tweet at us? Would you like to hear porn talk? Tweet at us, or look or not? I not don't know. Like not like gross porn talk. Like we're, we're not going to be like it to yeah, dim dim booties. Ooh yeah. It's more like here's what the original was, and here's the concepts that they switched out for the sake of putting in sex. So I think the the explorate I don't have any in mind. I don't have any like that I'm like, See, "Oh man, in, in I this love this version. Things. Gimli the dwarf swings a giant sex toy. It's yeah. satire, you see." Right, of course. Um it oh it just amuses me the 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 mental gymnastics that go on just to be like, let's put these people together to sex. Anyway, um It's almost it's, it's still so odd to me that they feel they need to justify it. <laughs> um yeah, right. But speaking of sex, um, did you know that originally uh, Carter, the criminal psychologist, she was originally supposed to be a love interest, but... That's uh, how it started. To, it felt that way in the early scenes. Yeah, but uh, Denzel was against uh, having that be a thing because he Why? felt like it would um, it would interfere with sales in like box office because... I don't know if you know this, but people aren't too super keen on interracial relationships in media. I don't know if you remember the Cheerios commercial where people lo- were losing their goddamn minds. This wasn't that long ago, was no, it? No, it was commercial. back in 2012. Um, I say that's longer back than I thought it was, but I, I do. I don't think I saw it, but I remember hearing the. What what sounded to me like a nonsensical discussion about this commercial. Yeah, it was stupid backlash of people being like, black and white people can't be together. Black and white people. Um, I, like your, so, I like your Jeff Sessions. <laughs> I really love your Jeff Sessions. Right? <laughs> he's, um, always, he's always doing like a weird shreddy air guitar thing with his voice. And I don't mm-hmm. know. He does it when he's really mad. That's. That's where his last name comes from. Sessions? Jam Sessions. Of, hell yeah. That's what they called him. They called him Jam Sessions. Hell yeah. And it was like the whitest jam session ever. <laughs> it was little it's literally just him and like and like one the one person who liked him, the one person who wasn't put off by how racist he is, mm-hmm. playing air guitar like in a dorm room their right. their years of college. Yeah, and they were only there cuz he'd do their homework for them. 
And nobody would share their weed with Jeff Sessions, and that's why he's so mad today. <laughs> um, I just lost like five followers. Um, I don't need him. Bye. But yeah, so it was a very conscious thing on his part because um, it's interesting that he. I mean, look, it's it's it's. I have so many thoughts about this. On the one hand, that's it's a smart. I guess a smart business decision on his part. It's yeah. it's a good. It's it's. He's aware. He's aware of the climate that the movie would be released in, and he's he's trying to make concessions for the interest of selling the movie. On the other hand, of course, it's pretty hideous that he had to have those considerations. On the other other hand. There is so much going on in this movie that I do not think it could have sustained a love story on top of everything else that's going on. Maybe. I mean, it could have been the one thing that tied everything together. I guess, I mean, you could have. You could have. They do have a lot of business together in the back half of the movie because uh, Denzel ends up having to go save her daughter, who right. is uh, Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah. So you could have. You actually, without. Without having to tack too much additional material onto the movie, you could have worked that in, but I don't, it, it, I wasn't missing it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So we got as far as, we got as far as, we got as far as, uh, as Sid getting a body. We actually, we didn't even get that far. So Sid is in the simulation and Parker Barnes ends up not he doesn't quite win he ends up not getting his brain fried so he's in there with another inmate who is essentially overloaded by the system and his yeah. brain fries and he actually dies so it's a little bit like that's also very matrixy actually yeah. um but then uh sid ends up in an android's body because benny from the mummy is really into this prostitute ai and uh evil let Liedermeyer. Yes, it's like typical I, I, Carter or Daryl is the name, but it's like Doctor Liedermeyer or something. It was I, re I remember thinking, oh, this is also like a very cliche movie bureaucrat <laughs> doctor name. Yeah, um, but he, I guess in that moment he dupes. I know his name is not Benny from the Mummy, but I'm going to keep calling him Benny from the Mummy. Yeah, uh, dupes Benny from the Mummy into thinking that he's going to make the porn bot, but in fact gives Sid six point seven a body. So suddenly. Russell Crowe's character it, and seriously it's like imagine Russell Crowe doing as close to a Jim Carrey performance as you can picture Russell Crowe giving mm -hmm. and that's Sid 6.7 um, he ends up in an android body and this actually I thought was was cool there's this visual element and of course it's very it's like very janky uh, early to mid 90s CG yeah but when he's damaged when he loses uh, his fingers or an arm or limb whatever he can use glass mm -hmm. to rebuild himself so what he essentially does is like if it's a finger he'll put his nub up against a, you know a glass window and he can run it along the window and he's essentially making it's the same pattern every time he does it which is a little weird but there's almost like a worm like uh, like you're you're using paint right like the paint program on your computer yeah. and you're doing the spray effect on one of the biggest settings how yeah. that looks if you drag it in line it looks like that on the window and he uses those little pieces of glass to rebuild himself which i actually thought was a really cool visual idea yeah um there was another there was dang there was another point of reference it's something to do with russell crowe also oh he's playing a digital man uh he did that in man of steel also but his digital man in man of steel was not uh so unfriendly yeah he wasn't as cool um, he got let to the record show Jor-El is less cool than Sid 6.7 <laughs> he, he didn't use glass to rebuild himself yeah. I, really, that, I think that would have made Man of Steel a much better movie if Jor-El got his limbs hacked off and used glass to rebuild himself I would be into it yeah. um, that actually was one of the main concepts that I really enjoyed about the movie every time I see it just this, this idea of Essentially being mortal as long as there's glass around. And also having like a silicon-based uh, character. Whereas like we humans are carbon-based. And so we re rebuild ourselves by eating carbon-based con components, which is food. Right. And then our bodies slowly rebuild itself and heal and all that stuff. But being able to do it instantaneously with the materials around you was a mind-blowing concept for this eight-year-old kid. Well, not for nothing. Like, I'm not eight anymore, and I still thought that was pretty cool when I watched it last night. I was like, there are there are ideas in this movie that I thought were interesting. Yeah. It's just the way the movie is put together <laughs> is just so, so ridiculous. There are shots... There are so many shots in this of Denzel just running. Uh-huh. 
And there are there are some shots where I swear to God, yes, there are shots that are in action scenes where he's running and there are bullets firing and glasses blowing up. I totally get why you'd want a stunt person for that. Yeah. There are shots of, of Parker Barnes running and he's just running and I'm positive it's a stunt guy. He's just running. <laughs> he, he was probably busy doing something else and they're like, oh, just get the stunt guy. Who cares? <laughs> but like, I was like, we, we couldn't, we didn't trust Denzel to do his own running. <laughs> Speaking of stunt guys, um, I really want to talk about this neo-Nazi fight. Um, because there it, is, oh, there are, there was something later in the movie where I, I started to get a sense that there is this racial thing happening under the surface of the movie. And I only, I forget what the second thing in the movie was, yeah. but it reminded me of the neo-Nazi fight. Like when the, when they're in the, was by the it, way, where's all this paper coming from in this scene? There's just like paper raining from the ceiling. Um, I, I, in my mind. It's toilet paper because in their cells there's just like a toilet. Oh, but it's toilet definitely paper. not all toilet paper. Oh no, no, it's toilet paper. They got to use that harsh stuff. They're in jail, bro. Oh, because it looks like I mean, okay, I guess technically <laughs> any paper could be toilet paper if you're desperate enough. But it looks like you know when you get the junk flyers in your mailbox, mm-hmm. half of it looks like that. It almost felt to me like the guards went up and down the the rows in that cell block, handing out all of this paper, being like. Yo, Parker Barnes gonna fight. What's his name? Big Red or something like that. Parker Barnes gonna fight Big Red. We're gonna make it look cool. <laughs> I mean, just, there's the, guards, the whole thing. Yeah, they get hit if they don't shred the paper and drop it down so the guards <laughs> can watch this fight. But yeah, when the dude steps out and he does the the Nazi salute. Yeah, I was like, whoa. What's and we don't really ever play with that uh, pointedly as a theme at all. The fact that uh, Parker is Parker Barnes the only black character in this movie. No. Is there another black character in this There's movie? There's got to be not oh, no one. Oh, do you know what it was? There was um the, the scene at the club, I think. At the club? Okay. I think it's the scene at the club. It's somewhere where Sid 6.7 takes hostages. And there are a couple of hostages with lighter skin that he just gets to scream cuz he he's all about showmanship yeah. uh, and feeding his ego and how much he likes messing with people and hurting them. Um couple lighter skinned people and then the first person he just callously shoots is a black man uh-huh like and not a light skin like a, a black man not, yeah. not a light skinned black man just a black just a black i don't know what the what yeah. the degrees can are can you can you uh keep explaining how black how black was he welcome to our new game how, how black, black was he? he but but it stood out to me because everybody that he didn't shoot in that sequence even the, the people who clearly weren't white were all lighter skinned yeah. And when that happened, I went, oh, did anybody notice? Am I the only one that sitting here uh, over a decade later? Like, a, am I the only one that, wait, how long? Over two decades later, am I yeah. the only one still that notices that maybe Sid 6.7 is super racist? Like, he's got some Charlie Manson in there. He definitely doesn't like non white people. Well, that's what I was going to say is that, like, there is a precedent of, uh, like, serial killers also being not all serial killers, but like some of the serial killers that were in him were viciously racist. Well, that was Manson's whole MO, his whole thing with his family and his followers. Their whole plan was Helter Skelter, which they stole from the Beatles song. uh, uh, Charlie Manson said Helter Skelter was this race war. It was a war between all of the white people and all of the black people. Right. And his plan, the reason that he had his followers commit these murders was uh, essentially to incite this race war this helter skelter yeah and the plan was once that war started he and all of his followers would move underground and then uh, i guess their assumption it's been a while since i've read this book but i believe their assumption was the black people would defeat the white people but wouldn't be able to govern themselves without white people so their plan was to wait for all the black people to defeat all of the white people uh, while also incurring heavy losses of their own and then come out from underground and essentially like rule over them that's insane it's bonkers dude it's so bonkers but this dude is inside uh computer russell crowe's head right yeah, super racist ah oh, geez though like if, if i were writing the movie of that there's this idea that like he's sitting there and he's like, "Oh man, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win because they're they're better." But like the moment that they fail, and then they're like just waiting for them to fail. Well, just like, um, it, oh, but really, any like, day now. But that's not uncommon. That's I mean, like that's <laughs> that's a pretty I I think a pretty common through line as far as thinking of racist goes. 
like you're gonna find plenty of racists who are like oh yeah uh, what is that like uh you know the the racist trope that like all black people have it over all white people physically yeah but then the flip side when people believe that whether or not they're actively aware of it some part of them must assume the flip side of that coin is yeah but we got it all over them in the brains department right so i think that was the basis for for charlie manson's thinking where this plan was concerned is that yeah of course the the black people will defeat the white people in the physical conflict but th- but his assumption was just that. But once they do that, they don't have the wherewithal to control themselves and right. the society and all of this. It's it's predicated on the idea that non-white people are animals. Yeah. It's so like it's so, I'm uncomfortable like explaining this. <laughs> I mean yes, but but my takeaway is that I just think it's it would be funny if this whole, his whole plan was like went the way he wanted it to, but then. Uh, he was underground for the rest of existence because the black people never failed. No, what would be amazing to me is not exactly that, but he has to come up and see how wrong he was. <laughs> yes. That's, that would be the best. It's like we're literally all of a sudden the whole planet looks like Wakanda. It's, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's prosperous. Everyone is thriving. Technology has advanced beyond our wildest dreams and we're using it to help each other and not hurt each other. And Manson has to just sit for a second and go... I may have fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Uh. Yes. Uh, uh, (laughs) um, Uh, Because this is is what you all came to hear, guys. Totally. Charles Manson. Um, We we haven't super... We only touched upon the, like, technology, and you reminded me that I wanted to talk about how, like, weirdly advanced and unadvanced this world is. Yes. Which, like, makes sense to me, because, like... If a if you decide as a society to go in a specific direction for technological advancement, then like of course you have some things and you don't have others. In the same way that like Japan was decades ahead of us when it comes to, when it came to phone technology, but we were far ahead in terms of like uh, porn. I was gonna say str- like internet and streaming technology. Porn. Um, yes. Um, portable online rendering nodes, porn, porn, yeah, um, yes. <laughs> um, so like it's interesting that they still use payphones, but like it looks like their their robotics and virtual reality right. technology their is virtual super reality far is near flawless, and they can make a uh, a. Uh, like learning and self-repairing artificial intelligence, uh, like synthetic life forms. Yeah. By the way, everything about the birthing sequence where Sid 6.7 enters our world uh-huh. is tremendous. The, <laughs> the music selection is great. It doesn't fit at all, which is what makes it great. The effects on the, the robot, how twitchy it is, and then it molding into Russell Crowe's face. The yeah. weird like uh, face distortion effect on Russell Crowe that seems to pop up with very little rhyme or reason throughout this movie, I was a fan of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it reminds you that he's made up of tiny robots. Yes. Yeah. Like little, he's really is just a collection of like nano swarms, essentially. Because mm-hmm. like when, when he first pops out the cocoon, um, he's, he's basically just like a big blocky like figure. And then the, the, the bots essentially fill in the like features of what he's supposed to look like. So like, there's that moment when he's talking to, um, Barnes in the, the truck and he is like Grimes is bubbling to the surface oh, and he yes, starts so to kind of look like Grimes else, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. For, for context, the one thing we skipped over is that one of the, the killers that uh, makes up Sid 6.7's identity profile is Matthew Grimes, the political terrorist that murdered Barnes's wife and daughter. So of course, once Sid 6.7 enters our world, it's personal. Oh yeah. Well, I think it, at first it was just him like messing around and then once, because there's this moment when during the first chase with Barnes, where uh, he jumps over the bridge, and right before he does, he goes, "This guy's fun." Yeah, and I think that that was the moment where he was is like, that, "Is that the part when he jumps off the bridge where he basically backflips off the bridge and goes, ee? Yes, <laughs> so good." <laughs> 
I don't know why that was ADR'd in, but like they're like, yeah, all right. Why would you not? It's so ridiculous already. I feel like adding that sound effect, at least it it lets your audience know maybe that you're aware of how ridiculous it is (laughs) because it really did feel, it feels so much like Russell Crowe doing a Jim Carrey performance. Yeah. And weirdly, like this is just around the time when Jim Carrey was really starting to break through. So I don't think it's Russell Crowe intentionally doing Jim Carrey. Yeah. It just feels very much like that level of performance from a guy who is not that I'm certainly not used to seeing go that big. Mm-hmm. So it's literally, it's the most cartoony and he's still wearing the green suit at that point. This like what feels like an oversized green suit. And he literally does a full backflip off the bridge and goes, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Um, so sorry, you were saying, well, yeah, I think that that was the moment when he essentially was like my best opponent so far is, Barnes, so I'm gonna Parker like Barnes. double double down on that because before he was just like, like he was just messing around. He was doing the he was taking hostages, just discovering that he's beautiful, and then uh, making his symphony. And then the moment that he keys in on Barnes is the moment that he's like, because he also in that sequence he kills a bunch of cops like flawlessly or effortlessly, right? And he's like, ah, these people are so boring. Um, if you're going to be an all powerful half deity, partial deity, unstoppable robot, you might as well have someone who can challenge you. Sure. That's Barnes. Sure. What is it? True love. This one's for you. Yeah. So, okay. So I literally took down, uh, three notes during the entire movie Uh because it was so difficult, as I mentioned, for me to distinguish the bonkers moments from the really bonkers moments. (laughs) Uh, the first, the first note I have is just, it just says the whole birthing scene which we've touched on. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is the what happens almost immediately after the birthing scene where Sid 6.7 is discovering the, uh, basically like his new circumstances, feeling stuff out is like, okay, I'm in an Android body. When he cuts off his finger and he drinks some of the fluid and he goes, a good year. <laughs> that, I, I made a note of that. Yes. And the third thing I made a note of is we see in flashbacks, uh, what happens when Parker Barnes goes after Matthew Grimes Mm -hmm. and he's got, uh, Matthew Grimes has Parker Barnes wife and daughter hostage, uh, in a booby trapped room, which is what ultimately does them in. Um, but he's also got like the news media there because he was very much. And this, this is where I guess Sid 6.7 gets it. He's very much a showman. Um, he loves, he loves an audience. He loves being on camera. He loves getting, getting himself his message, the destruction that he he's uh, wreaking everywhere uh, in front of people. So yeah. he's got, he's got news media there. He's got a reporter and he's got a camera. And of course uh, uh, they end up getting mowed down by Parker Barnes, unfortunately for them, but they're talking to him and he's explaining his philosophy, his MO, whatever. And, then, and this, this is the part, this is the part that I wrote down. The reporter actually asks him, would you mind saying your signature phrase? <laughs> and then that's, that's when Matthew Grimes says, Parker, this one's for you. Coinciding perfectly with the booby trap going off, killing his wife and daughter. Right. But that line, the reporter asking him to say his signature phrase and phrasing it that way. You'd think, you because you'd think if the media, and by extension most of the world, or at least domestically, knows that that's his signature phrase like p- people know that that's why she framed the question that way they yeah. know that's his signature phrase right in theory doesn't now everybody know that he's gunning for parker barnes and in theory wouldn't you immediately put parker barnes and his family under some kind of protection like <laughs> you, this seems like wanton neglect by whatever police department parker barnes works for you would think so um but maybe it goes back to that racial aspect and they're like Pfft. Fuck it, you know. Let's uh, let let this guy get killed. Who cares? Another like, what if there's a whole other story going on? There's like almost like a, a it's like Serpico, where he's the good cop on a corrupt force, uh-huh. and they're all just trying to do him in because they're he's gonna shake the system up too much, and he's gonna make it so they can't get away with their shifty dealings. Yeah. So instead of like. It's actually very much like Serpico. Instead of just leading Serpico into a situation where he might get himself shot, thus. Uh, removing the problem from their sphere could be very similar. It's just like, well, Parker Barnes is too good a cop, so why don't we just let this terrorist terrorize him to death? (laughs) 
But so my issue with the the re- the reporter piece is that like it's it's kind of like when um who was it was it Sean Penn who went down and talked to that um Oh, El Chapo? Chapo. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. I mean, but it's different in that he's still on American soil and like this reporter going in there means that like she now knows where his hideout is. And they could, I don't know, take him down because, I don't know, he's a literal renowned terrorist. Um, So maybe that reporter and her cameraman deserve to get shot. No, I don't know. Don't, I don't know don't. if they deserve to get shot, but it definitely doesn't track that they were hoping not to if that's <laughs> what they were doing. It also doesn't track that the police weren't totally cool with them getting shot if they allowed this to happen. Right. And Parker Barnes is still a cop at this point. Did he... Did, okay, okay. I actually could buy, especially given the tone of this movie, this is, uh, uh, among many things, a super cheesy mid-90s action movie. Yeah. I could totally buy a world in which Parker Barnes is he didn't let the department know what was happening he's like this is personal I'm taking the law into my own hands etc 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 yeah having said that it it, it speaks to gross oversight on somebody's (laughs) part somewhere along the line yeah I mean as far as I know when cops take things in their own hands they just get suspended with pay you know what I'm saying? When cops exercise their own justice, they like to they just get suspended and do nothing. Not nothing, for nothing happens. Like and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna say this, but since you said <laughs> since you said that, quite possibly the least believable part of this movie is that a police officer murdered civilians and got twenty years. Right? Well, I mean, you know, it's cause he blacked out. It's cause he for the record, if you're listening to our show and you are a, uh, a member of our police or our armed forces, I respect you deeply. This is not an indictment of you or of all police. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying. Just, I'm just, we just speaking truth, y'all. But it's hard. No, but it really is. Like, given, given the nature of so many of the conversations we're having now, it's really difficult to see that and not have it stick out. Mm-hmm. Like it, re- I, I did. I bumped into that at a certain point, not as an issue with the movie, as an issue with reality. Yeah, I was like, oh, you wouldn't actually, you wouldn't actually see that happen. Yeah. Nope. They'd just be be suspended with pay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Just lost uh, like seven more Twitter followers. It's fine. <laughs> I. Who who are these people who are like listening to our thing and then immediately jumping on Twitter? Anyways, you know they're out there, dude. I'm you sure. No, you know there are good many. If there's one, there are hundreds. You yes. know there are people who will stumble upon a podcast because they followed somebody or followed somebody who followed somebody. Listen to the podcast. Will get so incensed by something relatively innocuous and will immediately jump to Twitter to either uh, uh, vehemently screech about it or unfollow people or both. All right. Well, we're at missing outcast. M i s s i n g o u t. CST at me, bro. Um, <laughs> but at don't at me at at him <laughs> only at him. Yeah, he'll let, at he'll me. let me know what you say. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're we're almost uh, at the end of our oh, time. Really, that felt so fast. I know. Is there anything else that you? I mean, we still have like insert number of minutes. All of but it. Like, I feel like I need to, I need <laughs> to keep talking about all of okay. it. Okay, so I can tell you, so basically... Oh, it's, you, so, so, okay, sorry, because you just you just started, and like I felt like you got to the top of the roller coaster and you were about to go, so I'm pausing at the top real quick, because one thought I just had was, they do the same gag, and I get it, I get why it was funny in the very early, like in the 80s, in the very early 90s, uh, doing the Saturday Night Fever gag with the Staying Alive, the BG song. Yeah. When somebody walks in and you do when he gets his new clothes, right? Like when he gets his purple suit. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're tracking Sid 6.7 and they do that same, you know the gag. If you've seen Saturday Night Fever, you know how it opens with John Travolta walking to the BG song and how many movies and TV shows since have used that exact same gag. I, this was 1995, so it's not like this just came out. People still use that joke. Uh-huh. That joke needs to go away. That joke hasn't even been cute for over a decade. What I would love to see is somebody take Staying Alive and reclaim it in a way like, you know how Tarantino or like Scorsese will yeah. use music? Use, use If you're going to use Staying Alive in your movie, have something happening. Because like there was no, 
That song fades away uh-huh. as soon as they're done with that joke. That yeah. song doesn't even carry through any other part of the scene, which again, it's like, you should have just cut this little bit. Nah. You didn't need this bit there. That joke's not funny. Um, and again, it's not me picking on virtuosity. Sounds like so it. So many movies and shows have done this. Would you say that that joke is staying alive? Would you say that you can tell by the way they walk they're a woman's gag? No time to chat? It t- the actual lyric would have worked there. <laughs> I don't talk. know the actual no lyric. You can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk, Tari J. Damn. Point being, why, like, if you're going <laughs> to use it, I think now is the time to reclaim that song. Use it, it, use it in a scene. If you're going to use Staying Alive, use it in a scene and, and subvert it somehow. Because we keep doing the exact same thing with it, and it's super, super, super stale. I would be really excited to hear Staying Alive in a completely new context. Not because I'm the biggest Bee Gees fan in the world, but because it would be a new context. That's it. That's, That's that true. was my whole. That was my whole like. Because every time I see it, and I got hung up on it for a good like three minutes, especially because the second we're out of that quick little gag, yeah. and uh, Sid six point seven gets distracted by the TV monitors, mm-hmm. um, the song just goes away. Yeah. Even if they just let it keep going through the scene as almost like almost like score, just like a uh, non diegetic scoring. Yeah. It would have bugged me less. But because I just reminded myself of it, I liked the scene with the TV monitors where the guy is uh, working there (laughs) and he's trying to watch whatever game he's trying to watch. And Sid keeps changing the stations to what he wants to see faster than the guy can turn it back, which he's like pop-ups. He's basically like a virus, essentially. (laughs) He's behaving like uh, like a virus creating pop-up ads for this dude. Yeah. And then he kills the dude. Yeah. Which was sad for that guy, but funny, funny for the rest of us. Yes. Everyone was real calm about seeing someone get murdered in a, a electronics store. Um, that's what I like about insert fictional city that this takes place in. Uh, that like, bro, everyone's real chill about death. It's real, real nice. Also, I'm forgetting now. Sid is an acronym for something. It's sadistic, intelligent, dangerous. Thank you. You're welcome. About the most preposterous thing it could be. <laughs> How do we convey that he's really not a nice person? <laughs> um, well, it was better than what they thought of before, which was um, KP 6.7, which was Kicks Puppies 6.7. <laughs> See, when you say, okay, when you say, this is terrible. When you say KP, <laughs> do you know what I think of immediately? What? Do you, okay, do you remember Derek Comedy, which is where Donald Glover came from? Yes. Like the YouTube comedy group? Of one, of, I do. one of the first ones of theirs that I saw was called KP, and KP stood for Kid Parkinson's. Oh, so it was Donald Glover playing a kid and he'd skateboard up. He'd be like the mischievous little like, you know, he'd do something mischievous and like his friends, neighbors, whatever, would be like, ah, KP. And then he like skateboards up to the camera and then it says kid Parkinson's and he tries to put it's so it's so messed up. You couldn't it do this. Now. Like you it. couldn't do this now. He tries to put a straw like in a Capri Sun and he starts shaking. <laughs> And he can't do right. it. And he's like making himself. No, here. but like that's that's what I. I didn't write that. Dude, tweet Donald Glover. I didn't write this. Uh, but that's when you say KP. That's what I think of. Okay. Ooh. Um. We'll have to think of it. All right. We'll stick with Sid then. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so messed up. Having said that, now when I go home, I'm not going to watch that one. There's another one where Donald Glover is playing a hat maker who makes hats the really old-fashioned way using mercury, and it drives him gradually insane. That one's great. And less, <laughs> it's weird, but it's less um, uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I feel I'm like... tearing up from laughing uncomfortably. <laughs> This is, uh, I've been, I've been like real, I've been bumping up against some boundaries today, I feel. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us off. And you know how I walk us off? With some staying alive. Oh, are you going to drop it Thanks. in right now? Yes. All right. Is it, is it playing right now? It's playing literally Whoa. right now. Whoa. Uh, and we're staying alive. On Twitter, at MissingOutcast. <laughs> M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. And you can also find us on, not Instagram, iTunes. I guess one day, maybe, Instagram. Maybe. I mean, we'd have to take more pictures, though. 
It would um, just be us sitting at, in this space station, this expensive space station yes. where we record our show. Totally. It would just be... And who wants to see pictures of the expensive space station? No one. Nobody. No one. Nobody. But what about you, Lex? Where can they find you? <laughs> Uh, if they're looking for me after that, they can find me at the Lex Michael. And on the space station. And on a space station. <laughs> um, you can find me at Tari J. T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Also, you can find us on the Google Play Store and Stitcher and Podbean. Uh, if you have a chance, leave us a comment on iTunes uh, with a five-star ratings if you love what we do. And we read it here on this show uh, be our first uh, comment of the new year 2018 resolution comment on missing out uh thank you for joining us once again Bye. <laughs>